It is last year. Last year. Yeah. 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 All right, getting back to regular business. Um, can I get a motion to approve the minutes of the November 20th, 2023 special meeting? Motion, Baggy. Yeah, to abstain. Second, Bailey. Yeah, we need a motion to speak. Oh, motion, Bailey. <laughs> Got it. Any questions on those minutes? All in favor? Abstain. Brett. Abstain, Brett. Um, can I get a motion to approve the minutes of the November 20th, 2023 action meeting? Baggy. Second, Bailey. Any questions on those minutes? All in favor? All right. Um, our solicitor is in attendance tonight. I do not believe there is a report. Thank you. Our uh, superintendent's report, Dr. Gizmundi. All right, please see the attached HIB report under executive content and the enrollment under public content. Um, also tonight, uh, we do have two presentations um, that will be occurring. As discussed a few months ago, we were working on a, a demographic study of West Effort. Uh, so we will be uh, inviting uh, George Sundell to present the findings today. Please come up and your sir. Do you have a clicker, Thomas? I do. So, big button is laser pointer, left one. Uh, so, yes, we're here obviously to talk about enrollments, and in a sense, uh, we look backwards like it's a rear view glance. And we use six years of historical information to cast a projection five years forward. We also do a six to 10 year projection that is much less accurate. And uh, we will talk a little bit more about that in the future. In the beginning, we will look at uh, West effort and some of the general demographics like population and that sort of thing, and then move on into the more specific projections for the school difference. Uh, district, the general demographics will kind of set us up for understanding a little bit better what uh, what the other enrollments say. There we go. A little bit about myself. I've been doing this a long time, perhaps too long. Um, look at regional districts, look at small districts. Uh, look at different districts that have accelerated residential construction, which, uh, in fact, we're suggesting might be the possibility here in West Effort. Looked at uh, courts that have ordered housing, uh, whether the local municipalities like it or not. Uh, we've done redistricting. So we've been around many, many years. Basically, what you're doing with the enrollment projections is nearly 
the same in terms of the methodology, no matter which kind of task you're approaching. It isn't really gazing at a crystal ball, though. It is really statistical analysis of both historic enrollments, births, and also looking at then the amount of new housing that might come to a municipality versus the level of new housing that preceded it. So that's an important distinction. Um, that, in fact, is the biggest reason why we do have modifications to the standard cohort uh, projection. It might be because there's closure of a parochial school or you have a new program within the district. But the biggest reason is the one that we also have included in your study, which is the impact of accelerated housing. Truth is, you haven't had any housing in the recent past. So all the new housing is considered above the recent average. Obviously, you know your district well. And while you're looking at this slide, I would point out that number one school in the southern end, Red Bank, is the general location of where the new housing will occur. Okay, just to have that in your head. We have uh, student capacities listed here for the schools. Those are from the long range facility plan. Those are state mandated definitions for an FES, which is more uh, fiscal and, and kind of is a level playing field for every district throughout the, the state. And then the DP capacity in the report and on these charts you'll see is what you as a district have decided is the proper number of students in a classroom. Those capacities will show up on our enrollment projection uh, graphs. So looking at municipal population, they are the red bars. We can see that in the 50s and 60s, as you can imagine, was the biggest part of the growth or the most accelerated growth. Green is a, a county line showing comparison, and the purple is a state uh, line. So while there's continued growth, particularly in the county, yours is kind of leveled off. You see those bars are uh, almost the same. They're increasing, but at a much slower rate. All these numbers, if, if you're detail-oriented, are in the report. You can read them. We looked at household income. Again, we compare it with uh, county and the state. And we look at little groupings of household income. Some persons like to hear that kind of information in demographic study. It gives them a feeling for whether they can raise money as a district uh, in a referendum or how easy it might be. We give you a racial breakdown. Oftentimes also, is it changing? It's not. You have a pretty, um, your, your population seems to be fairly stable in terms of racial mix. And we look at land use. That's perhaps a little bit more important because we begin to say, well, if you already have uh, urbanization at like 30 or 40 percent, how much land is still available? Doesn't give us an accurate picture of it. But as you can see in that uh, purplish red color, that is urbanized areas already in the, in the township. And there is a lot. We look at population by age group, and now we're getting down into the finer review, really, of these demographics. In this case, we can see that preschool between 2010 and 2020 census actually went up by 45 students, whereas the next three groupings, school age in those 10 years, 
decreased 200 students, about 20 a year. Childbearing age decreased and middle age decreased, though not much. The real winners in this growth category were senior citizens. So you have what you uh, we would consider families that are in West Effort, they're aging in place. The older people are still staying around. They're not flocking to Florida and they are uh, empty nesters usually. So you, you have that kind of a, a change in the housing market. So just looking at that housing market, this is a graph of residential houses for sale, your normal real estate number. And you can see that 2008 depression or recession in the housing market. And we dipped all the way down to just about 106 units per year. And most recently back in 21, it was all the way up to 523 resale houses per year. Now that's an important number, that rate, because that allows younger families to come in and buy those houses and they bring with, with themselves some children. So that pent up demand did kind of peak two years ago and we did see a, a slight decrease next year, uh, last year I'm talking. The average though of that residential construction is about 379 units in the last six years, which are coincident with the six years of, of uh, actual enrollments that we use in the study. Much of what we will look at is usually six year averages. We'll look at them in births, we'll look at them in enrollment, that sort of thing. So here's what residential permitting for new construction and occupancies looks looks like, except for a few major multifamily projects, which by the way, um, peaked at 18 units. That's how large they are. I mean, normally when I'm doing these things, it's got a hundred units or you got 800 units coming. This is, this is absolutely nothing. It's not considered significant construction at all. Even for those that get permitted in red, you can see they all don't get built. Oftentimes occupancies will lag by two years or so. In this case, they didn't even get built. You have some houses that have been permitted, but have not been built. But there is consideration for some future housing in the township. We have Aviana by Paparone and we have the Enclave. Enclave is bringing two types of housing, uh, apartments and townhouses. And then you have a third project we looked at when properties, which though is going to be assisted living, won't have significant or any impact at all on the number of students. What we did when we looked at these and we kind of, uh, the, the mix of housing here is accurate in terms of the developers, the schedule, might have been a little bit of a guess as to when they're when they come on board. But I do believe that all of these projects will be completed and occupied within five years. So whether our schedule of the increase in students is on the money, we do know that the magnitude of the number of students that will come from the housing is correct. You have here 667 units, 583 of which um, are houses, uh, housing units, that will include um, or yield uh, a student, a public school age student. Now, when we look at these units, we use numbers that are documented and analyzed by Rutgers University. Their planning division, uh, their Center for Urban Policy does this not only for New Jersey, but in fact, they do it for other states throughout the country. 
they have a very progressive, they've been doing it for like 30 years now, and the numbers are considered to be the Bible in the industry. They are pulled from U.S. Census data from new construction only, and they tell you how many students will come from a two-bedroom townhouse or a four-bedroom single family or a three-bedroom mid-rise apartment. And then they also break the numbers down into whether they are high income level, moderate, or even low income. So you have a lot of numbers here, and you have to characterize your own housing as it comes through to uh, determine what is the multiplier, how many students will come out of each one of these units. So there's our Bible and our source for that information. Well, there'll be 154 out of these units that we're looking at at the end of the five-year period when they are all occupied. This is You can see there the um, column called PSAC multip is the public school age um, multiplier for students. And you can see that like a um, three-bedroom townhouse doesn't even yield half, half a student per unit. It's 0.477. And the other numbers for the multipliers are listed there. That gives us 154 students. And we will distribute them in accordance with the schedule that you see on the right. And in the schools, uh, we're told that they would probably go to. Another important thing, and again, all of these numbers and data information go into a standard cohort survival projection. That's what state of New Jersey expects from you. They, that's what they encourage you to use. That's in fact what about 80% of the school districts throughout America use the cohort survival method. Um, Births is very, very important in that methodology because one of the first things you're going to find out is the survival rate between births five years earlier and how many show up in your kindergarten. It's the first survival rate you look at. So births become important. And again, as I said, you always are using averages in these projections. As you can see, just looking at a birth chart, you don't know back in 2013, were, were births going to go up or were they going to go down? There's some volatility in there. So you always use averages. And that way you don't have to worry about was it going to go up or was it going to go down. So anyway, our last six-year average, again, coincident with the six years of the uh, enrollments, the actual enrollments on which we base this projection, the average is 208 per year. Not that it makes a significant difference, but we do all, what's the trend? The trend is for about 1.7 fewer births per year. Is that trend going to continue or is it going to turn around? Don't know. I don't have that kind of a crystal ball. <laughs> but that's what's happened in the last six years. Uh, we also have a high rate of public school attendance here, higher than in the county or the state. Good to know. Good school district. People want to stay here. And we also look at enrollment history. Now, this is a real rear view picture. We can see that things peaked um, way back in 2009, I think it was, at that 3,300 number. And, it, and enrollments at that point had been increasing 48 students per year on average for that whole uphill period. Now, since then, though, they've been declining 
at the rate of 32 students per year. So you've been seeing some fairly steady decreases in your enrollment for, for quite some time now. And in fact, what happened is as a percentage of population, you went from what had been 15.7% back in 2000, it went to 14% and now is down to 13.7% of your total overall population. So that's what we would have happening, continuation probably of those trends, if you weren't having this new infusion of housing. So you've heard me say cohort survival rates. There's a rather elaborate chart in the report. I've only taken a couple of those survival rates. These are for the people who really like to get down into the details. But if you see a red bar and it's below the one on the chart, that tells you that fewer, let's look at the one on the left, birth to kindergarten, not even 100% of those births five years earlier are showing up in your kindergarten. In fact, the numbers in the upper right-hand corner, 85%. About 85% of births five years earlier show up in your kindergarten. The next one over is kindergarten to one. This one usually jumps up. Um, as you can see, it does. These are green bars now, or a combination of green and red. And what happens here, if you look and you're careful to observe, in 2000, everything dropped. I mean, because of the pandemic, the survival rates that year in most districts were less than they usually are. However, kindergarten to first grade is a positive number. It's 101% or 1.01. You actually see an increase. Now the numbers are larger than what was births five years earlier. There is a little graph like this all the way up to what happens between uh, 11th and 12th grade. Pleased to see that your 11 to 12th grade is also above one. That means you, you know, you're doing really good with your at-risk students. They're all staying in school and you have more graduating from 12th grade than you had in 11th. The, the uh, graph on the bottom shows that if you were to follow the current cohort survival rates that are historically available to us by analyzing the last six years, then the 170 students that entered kindergarten in 2020 would graduate as 12th graders at 185. There is a little bit of growth in the grade levels as you move through the district. So what have we said? Population is still increasing, but it's at a much slower rate than it had been during the 50s and 60s and 70s. School age group decreased between 2010 and 2020. We saw that big downhill uh, rate of decrease. And six-year births are averaging at 208. But if we looked at the left-hand side of that chart a few years ago, that average was more like 233. So we are getting more, fewer births also in the township than we historically had. In regard to new housing in the students, we saw that residential sales of existing houses has rebounded. We saw the recent permit level was 8.5 units per year. They were all single family. It's nothing to write home about. It doesn't, it's not gonna impact the future housing level or our analysis of it. Um, 
But even though we were permitting 8.5 units per year, we were only occupying three units per year. So either there's some housing out there that never got built by a developer, or at this point it's been abandoned. Again, I don't know. These numbers are sourced from uh, New Jersey Department of Commerce, and they are the official recordings for occupancies and permitting uh, in the state of New Jersey. We also found out, though, that you have 667 units coming, and they're going to yield these 154 pre-K to grade 12 students. Now, again, think of it in your head. That's about 12 students per grade. Kind of put that rule in your in your head, and you get the magnitude of the difference. So we also looked at the school history, saw a high level of public school attendance. We saw a peak in enrollments way back in 2006. And then we saw this significant decrease since 2006 of 32 students on average every year in the district. So again, that's like, um, you know, three plus students per grade level every year if it was just averaged out across the district. Also, what are these projections that we're talking about? When are we going to get to them next? So we make a district projection. We make five school projections for the individual schools. And I would remind you that they are accurate in the first five years and acceptable to New Jersey Department of Education. They're less accurate six to 10 year projections, even though they are in your study. In fact, the statistic that is most often cited is the accuracy is plus or minus 1% per year. So even those projections that I make for five years are at that point plus or minus 5%. The enrollment graphs that you'll see in the report also show the two capacities, that district practice capacity and the FES capacity, one primarily established by the state and the other by the district. You have enrollment tables showing you year by year, grade level by grade level, uh, how many students there are. And then you have for the elementary levels um, uh, section counts based on New Jersey DOE, student capacity in a classroom. Just in terms of reading these enrollment charts, the blue bars are the six years of actual history actual enrollment history. The dark green bars that follow are the five years, the accurate five years, the acceptable five years to be used in a projection. And the light green then are these less accurate six to 10 year projections. The two capacity lines that you can see there, one is a bar and one is a dashed line, are that district practice and facilities efficiency standard capacity numbers, again, taken from your long-range facility plan. These are official state numbers also. What you're seeing on a chart like that is that your enrollments are somewhere between those two. Your district practice perhaps is most important for you when you consider, do we have enough space in our buildings? FES is something. The other one, the dash line, has to do with you know, how much money you might get or how much space the state will allocate. Um, you're more interested than in the upper number. In this case, that green 
line that's just below the bars, that is a standard projection without adding any housing. If we ignored housing, what would your projection have been? Standard cohort survival projection, not giving you any additional students from new housing. That's the green line. That gold wave that you see there is what I call the cone of accuracy. It starts out at 1%, and by the time you get out to that fifth year, it shows you what plus 5% or minus 5%. That's how broad or accurate, should I use inaccurate, <laughs> the projection numbers are. So all of, all of those things are something you can keep in mind as we look at, at these projections. Um, I don't put that cone of accuracy on every chart because it does get confusing, but know that by the fifth year, the accuracy is plus or minus 5%. So, of course, we don't just want to know the district. We, um, well, this is, this is the district. I'm sorry. That was like learning how to read the chart. This is a real projection for you. And you can see that your enrollments are going to peak in the fourth year from the impact of the housing. It would have been almost flat or just slightly decreasing if there had been no housing. It's the difference between the top of the bars and that green line that you see there. So what is one of the things that, that's happening? Your 12th grades that are graduating are graduating more students than are entering down at kindergarten. Or um, in this case, I'm looking at grade one because you had, you had that 85% number of kindergarten, so I really wanted to challenge the 12th grade against the grade, the grade one. Well, you can see the red bars underneath this chart is how many students are being lost to the fact that the um, classes, the cohorts are just moving right through the district. So on average, in that historic six years that we looked at, the difference each year was 61 students. So that tells you where some of your loss was a large part of it, in fact, was just how big that cohort had been that was moving through the district and is now leaving. And it's anticipated that it will be increasing to 75. Again, I, I look at our projected 12th grades minus our incoming projected grade ones. So just know that that's something that you can, you know, look at yourself as other years progress to see um, how, how many you're losing just to that factor alone. So just in general, to kind of summarize what happens with the cohorts, you can see that every single cohort there is under that 1.00. Those are groupings of survival rates. Birth to kindergarten was at 85%. K to five is at 98%, almost, you know, almost there. Six to eight is that six to eight grouping is the only one that's over one, over 100%. And then grade nine, grades nine to 12 average out at about 0.992. So that just tells you, and I think, you know, you probably talk about those kind of numbers often. The other thing to be aware of is currently, as I talked, told you about the 12th grade leaving and the first grade coming in. We can see what is the current difference. The elementary grades are average about 185 during the actual period. 
The middle schools is about an average size of 199, and the high schools are at 211. So we know that we have that bubble of students that are at the higher end, and they'll be leaving. Um, in births, we saw that they were slightly decreasing at about the rate of two per year. The population was decreasing, uh, I'm sorry, increasing at a lesser rate, and most it's getting much older. Okay, the big increases was seen in the 65 and older seniors level. So let's just take a look at elementary. We see a significant uh, increase here in, in, in population going all the way up to 1,252 elementary students. Um, we were, however, at that rate three or four years ago, you had that many students at the elementary level. So we lost students in 2000, it rebounded, and it is continuing to grow. And this chart has 59 students added from new housing at the elementary level. Now, don't just say, oh, we know five years from now there's gonna be 59 students. You gotta keep your thumbs on what's happening in the township. Are they really moving ahead? Did they get planning board approval? Is the economy such that the developer really wants to do this? Th these are projections if those three housing projects all move ahead. You need to bear that in mind. And again, you don't reach capacity. You don't reach that district practice capacity at the elementary level. Combining, combining all the pre-K to force. As I said, you have charts then that are year by year. They show you what they actually were, what they're going to be in that projection period. And then in that period that I call extended, which is that six to 10 year uh, projection. Um, so you wanna do further analysis just at the individual grade level. The numbers are all there for you to do that. Middle school, same thing, it's been decreasing, but we are going to see an increase, going up to 923 at the end of the fifth year. However, again, six years ago in the actual period, you were about that level uh, in, the, in the middle school also. In the high school level, we've been seeing some decreases. And again, because we have some housing coming, it's going to have slight increases at the high school level, but then be, begin to pan out again. So these are not numbers that you can, you know, you have to study and look in the book and, and see the numbers and look at the implications. But each one of these has a different path to, um, to, to how it's getting to the enrollments. But again, we haven't seen anywhere the capacity is over district practice. When we start looking at the individual schools, we can see that we're really approaching capacity at Red Bank. And the new students are not assigned to the school. New students are assigned to the other two. We can see 39 new students at Oakview in the pre-K to two and it does go over the district practice in the second year of the projection, ever so slightly. Practice, uh, district practice is 455 and the projection is gonna be for 466. 
correct. That question was asked of administration, and that was the response. So I, th I think because they, they um, were aware that they were already very near capacity. It's a, well, you, perhaps you guys can explain it. I emailed and said, so where are we going to send the students? And then Oakview also, 466, and it's a 455 in Greenfields. Again, almost, almost at capacity after a few years. Um, so that sums it up. All of these, the graphs are there. You also have the tables with year by year, student by student. And here, um, I didn't show it, but uh, it also actually does section counts for regular classrooms. How many regular classrooms you would need? It doesn't do section counts for any specials that you might have at the, at the um, elementary level. So summarizing it. We saw 124 student increase, about nine students per grade over those five years. And that increase of 124 students is in part generated by 154 new students from housing. So what it's saying is that standard projection would have been going down, um, but this brings it up over, over, um, over what it used to be. Pre-K pre to four uh, will increase 61 students, but only 59 of them were from housing. So we would have saw a slight increase at the elementary level. Uh, six to, in grade six to eight, we added 47 students from new housing and they're increasing over the next five years and nine to 12 uh, period increase of 11 students, but we added 47 students from, from new housing. <clears throat> um, that's pretty much it, except for the individual schools. And here we saw Red Bank was 16 students under district practice capacity. There's still room for 16 more. Oakview is over district practice by 11 students. And Greenfields is 13 under district practice. So these are order of magnitude numbers that, you know, give you an idea of where you'll be in five years. And that's the report. This is an overview. You'll find it's really more detailed even in the report where you get you know, very accurate numbers and people start going in, recalculating for themselves, oh, what if we did this? And what if we do that? Uh, particularly if you're talking about changing some borders and that sort of thing. I, I have a couple of questions. Um, can you get back to the slide where it mentions the developments? Uh, because I, I can't see where they are. You mentioned Paparone and Enclave. I, I can't say them, I'm old. <laughs> okay. Aviana, Enclave, and Wind, Wind Properties. And where, where are the addresses? Well, I'm not sure where Wynn is, but 
w one and two are uh, right next to Red Bank School. I mean, like in the vicinity of Red Bank. Um, is, you didn't mention anything about the, the redevelopment at Riverwinds. Is that like, that's not, that, that's when? I, I did not get that as information from your uh, local official. I, I is got that this, when, Brian? I got this list from your township officials. So because there are no permits ever at Riverwinds yet, there or are there no permits? That's, that's what my question is. Twenty years in the pipeline. <laughs> okay, because um, word and word on the street is that it might be getting developed, and it's it's a concern because we already have issues with the classroom sizes and the fact that we don't have anywhere to add on to, and it's a concern. Um, I have another question. Um, my handwriting so bad, I can't even read my own handwriting. So basically, when you, you did the math on how many people, how many students were coming in 154, um, divided by 14 years, that's for based on 12 years of elementary school, elementary, middle, high school, and two years of pre-K? I think it's 13. I divided by 13. One year. Okay. So, but you can't really guarantee like which age group it's going to be. So you could have a situation where you have like eight people in one class, in one grade where we're bursting at the seams in the that's classrooms that's as it is. That's an average. Okay. Um, and we're going to be able to get a copy of this? Okay. Because like I said, I, I can't read that. I'm so... I, I'm more than happy if you process them through administration to answer any other questions. You know, after the fact, too, I don't expect you to know everything that you want to know in, uh, in tonight just with this presentation. I have a question. This doesn't take into consideration pre-K pre three students who come in who um, are special ed students, right? You have a lot of control over pre-K. And, and so would I... My future pre-K is based on your existing pre-K situations. If you have a growth plan for that, um, again, I think I asked and wasn't said that there's, that there's no planned growth in pre-K right now. That, but you may, in fact, be entertaining that. Oh, oh, no, I think it's state mandated. That's that's what I'm referring oh, yeah. to. Yeah. You, you don't control it, right? You'll be told yeah. Right. You know, have a little homework yourself here and have seven more students or whatever the mandate you know. You have all the basics here to um, evaluate some changing circumstances yourself. Even when we look at um, a, a number like this, if there was to be redevelopment at, at Riverview and you know the unit count, you probably have the right multipliers right here. You can figure it out yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can. Okay. Or, and let me also just say, you know, not giving away trade secrets, this document is available online. Anyone, again, wants to look up uh, all these 
they have a hundred ways to Sunday, you know, in, in terms of um, how they split up these units and bedroom counts, unit type, high income, low income, all, that there's uh, many, many multiplying schemes. Sorry, thank you very much. A lot of information there. Good stuff. Uh, but my question is, you're saying if all three of these developments come in, you're saying it's a average ballpark, 154, 12 kids per grade level. Yes. If none of these come to fruition, you said earlier we lose 39. Is that accurate? Yeah, and when, when you say 39. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if these don't come up, our school population actually goes down. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, thank you again, George. So next up, we have a presentation from Tim Andrell with Train uh, regarding our Greenfields HVAC slash Rod Grant project. Sure. All right. Well, um, if everybody can, everybody hear me okay. All right, excellent. Well, thank you guys for having me back. I really appreciate it. Um, it's I was last here, I think September. Um, so this is a follow up to that September meeting. Um, going to talk a little bit about the project that we're looking at at Greenfields Elementary School. It's an HVAC infrastructure upgrade. It'll work out. Got it. Oh, jumped ahead. Here we go. So as far as the agenda goes, what we're what we're going to do, we're going to review the project goals or the, the goals of the district associated with this project. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the scope of the project as we see it currently. We'll get into uh, the investment criteria, uh, really what uh, what we're looking at as far as an investment to make these upgrades happen. And then uh, we'll review the timeline of the project and talk about the next steps. I'll leave some time at the end. Um, as I go through this, I will try not to get too technical. If if I do, um, just stop me. <laughs> uh, this stuff is very exciting to me, although it may not be to you uh, to you all as far as the technical side of things. Uh, but uh, I will definitely leave some time for questions at the end. Uh, the, the goals of this project for the district, what are the goals, right? Um, so any project that we look at from an HVAC standpoint, um, especially following the pandemic, uh, really is to improve uh, the indoor air quality, the indoor environmental quality of the classrooms to ensure the safety of the students, the safety of the teachers, and of the administration. Um, there are several aspects of Greenfields Elementary School. Uh, there is an aging infrastructure that we're looking to address, and we're looking to set that infrastructure moving forward so that we can maximize the life cycle of the equipment and of the classrooms. Um, we're looking for a long-term solution that can be built upon as we move forward. So as we address the classrooms, we're looking to implement systems that can be integrated into an overarching, overarching system throughout the rest of the school, uh, addressing common areas, uh, multi-purpose room, 
the media lab and other areas of the building. Um, we're also looking to uh, implement, as I mentioned, to, to improve indoor air quality, we're looking to implement several indoor air quality measures as the school has uh, applied for and received approval for a ROD grant. Um, the ROD grant indicates or, or requires indoor air quality measures be implemented as part of this program. Uh, also, the district in to, in, intends to use ESSER funds as part of the funding for this project, which indoor air quality uh, measures are a requirement for that as well. Um, the existing energy management system or building automation system at Greenfields Elementary is outdated. We're looking to address that and implement a system that can be utilized, a web-based system that can be utilized throughout the district um, to release uh, or relieve uh, the uh, requirements on the facility staff. And then lastly, we're looking to ensure that the district, um, we're looking to ensure that the district implements these measures and this project um, with responsibility to the taxpayers throughout the district in, in terms of purchasing. What, what is the project at Greenfields Elementary School? What does it entail, right? Um, so when we look to implement a project like this, typically um, the path goes design, bid, build. Um, when you go that path, oftentimes you're left in a scenario where uh, you end up getting the lowest bid uh, that leaves out specifics uh, that may not have been captured during the engineering period. So what this project entails is it, it really includes train working with the architect and engineer in collaboration with the district to develop a scope that truly captures everything. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what we've found during the beginning of our study, um, after the implementation of the letter of commitment that was signed in September, we began the design development process and we found some things that probably wouldn't have been found during the process if it went the traditional design bid build route. So with train, what you get is a turnkey solution that has no change orders, that has a performance guarantee, that has a long-term three-year parts and or three-year service agreement attached with five-year parts and labor on all train equipment. And um, really most importantly, an expedited timeline to allow this project to happen in the summer of 2024 and uh, purchasing requirements audited by the Omnia Cooperative. So what you get through the Omnia Cooperative, uh, the board passed a resolution in August authorizing the Omnia Cooperative for purchasing, and all of our all of our pricing will be audited by a third party for Omnia compliance. I'm sorry, did you have a question? Okay. So our solution, what does that entail? Right, I mentioned we've we've begun the design development process. We're at a point where we're we're narrowing in on our scope of work and uh, and our final pricing, and. Our, our solution that we intend to put forward is twofold. There's a mechanical solution and there's a building automation solution or energy management solution. The energy management solution entails replacing the existing outdated energy management system at Greenfields Elementary with a new web-based system um, 
that can be accessed by administration, by facilities personnel, and by uh, by external support uh, for assistance in the event that the facility staff needs to be supplemented. So there will be a um, essentially there will be a connection to the facilities uh, to the automation system that will allow train or any other external vendor to access the energy management system via a website, uh, anywhere with a web connection and provide that remote support. So if the facility staff is in the field troubleshooting, they will be able to call train or call another vendor um, and have that vendor look up the building and help in troubleshooting so that we can really take some of the burden off of the facilities team. Um, on that energy management system, I mentioned there is a three-year service agreement. There is a service agreement attached that includes um, building performance reports twice a year. So we'll be able to, uh, our team will be looking at the energy use of the building twice a year, looking at the performance of the building and making sure that nothing is falling out of the wayside as far as um, operationally uh, kind of negating some of the savings from the energy upgrades. On the HVAC side of things, we, we've been conducting several interviews, uh, several meetings uh, with Principal Corbett, um, Mr. Jacobowski, Mr. Gizmondi, and other stakeholders really trying to figure out what the most important aspects of the school for this upgrade are. Um, the resounding response was the classrooms, right? So we spent quite a bit of time in the classrooms. One of the things that uh, became evident was in the classrooms, there uh, is inconsistency with the systems that are serving the, the rooms from an environmental standpoint. Many of the systems are non-functional. Many of them are very uh, are very far past the end of their useful life, so they would expect to be experiencing failures more frequently moving forward. Um, so what we're looking at doing is we're replacing at least 25 uh, classrooms worth of HVAC units. Um, and in place of the existing units, there will be uh, actually additional space available within the classrooms. So we're going to be implementing additional shelving within the classrooms to allow for storage for teachers, uh, potentially um, for students as well, uh, uh, to really enhance the learning environment from a store. We noticed that a lot of the classrooms kind of <laughs> have uh, storage taking up quite a bit of space. So this will remove uh, the need for storage to be placed in the back of the classrooms or otherwise. And then on the mechanical side, after the upgrades are completed, we will be also providing a three-year mechanical service agreement for service twice a year. Now, uh, outside of the classrooms, I mentioned that during our design development phase, we did encounter um, some un unexpected items. So we had to incorporate those items into the scope. Uh, in the main building, the oldest part of the building, what we learned um, on the mechanical side of things, and uh, this was brought to our attention by our conversations with the facilities team, there's a significant amount of underground pipe, 50-year-old uh, pipe that is becoming uh, essentially non-functional. 
So over time, pipe scale builds up and water doesn't flow. So this is for your, your hot water system that provides heat to the classrooms. Uh, so as a part of this scope of work, we're going to uh, take that underground pipe, reroute uh, all of the hot water mains for the building uh, above the ceiling and, uh, and essentially limit the requirement for having to go underground to maintenance this pipe. So we've had uh, experiences where uh, this pipe has experienced leaks and the maintenance staff literally has to crawl into a crawl space that's a confined space. It is a potential ha hazard to the staff. Um, and in order to repair these leaks underground, potential hazard to the structure of the building. Um, so we're taking that pipe, we're rerouting that pipe, and you're going to have all new pipe uh, for the hot water mains going to the classrooms. Um, additionally, we're looking at providing uh, three new rooftop units that serve classrooms in the main older wing of the building that currently have rooftop units that do not have heat. Uh, they utilize Ventube radiation heat for, the, for those spaces. That will be eliminated. Again, we're trying to eliminate, uh, limit the use of hot water for heat. Uh, we did also look at uh, the electrical side of things and look to see if we could focus on electric resistance heat rather than hot water. The school, unfortunately, does not have the electrical capacity su to support that. So we're working with what the infrastructure has in the building uh, to implement these upgrades and restore comfort into the classrooms and make it a safe environment for learning. So the economic summary, this is the part I'm sure you guys have all been waiting for. <laughs> um, so what we're asking for tonight uh, really is uh, a not to exceed price. We've been working with the administration in the district and we've been working with the architect and engineer. The architect submitted the proposal for the rod or for the rod grant uh, for the district prior to in, uh, prior to the district engaging train. So the rod grant was applied for the rod grant was awarded. Um, and the, the stipulation was that the district put forth 60% of the investment. Uh, at the time, the architect and the engineer had budgeted this project at around $3 million. Um, so take away the architects and engineering fees, and we're at um, essentially a, a cost for this project for $2.8 million. So what we're looking to do is... Uh, over the next couple of weeks, really solidify the scope of work, solidify a contract, present the contract to the district, and uh, hopefully we can get to a point where we can implement a construction agreement uh, in compliance with the ROD grant and in compliance with all state purchasing requirements. Uh, that is why we're using the Omnia Cooperative and still get the project done for the summer of 2024 brings us to the timeline. So the uh, the items highlighted in blue are a are items that have already taken place, right? So that's where we've been. Uh, we started the conversations back in May. We entered into a letter to proceed, did a lot of um, development from uh, the interviews that took place. And uh, our last time here in September, we signed the letter of commitment um, authorizing us really to dig into the fees associated with the project. And that's where we're at right now. We're asking for board approval this evening um, 
for a contract to be executed during the month of January so that we can get equipment ordered uh, and execute the project in the summer of 2024. I will open it up for questions at this time. I'm um, well, going back to the page five where it talks about the upgrades and it's the rooftop units if the budget allows. Um, when is that going to be determined if the budget allows one? Um, and I guess what is that not in the $2.8 million? So currently that is, uh, so uh, to take a step back, uh, what we looked at was looking at doing the entire school initially. Uh, and that entire school project cost was over the budget of $2.8 million or $3 million, which was for the Rod Grant. When the engineer and architect initially looked at, looked at this project, they were focused on just the units in the classroom. So the engineer and architect provided the budgets to the district. That was focused on just the units in the classroom. And what we found was when we uncovered the issues with the underground pipe, um, maybe some minor electrical issues, there's an electrical panel in the building that's wired with only two phases rather than three phases. We have to correct that. So what we found was when we initially got to our number for the project, um, it was over the budget uh, and, and what the district could afford at this time. So we were asked to look at reducing the scope of work. Um, to get to that budget. And that's kind of where we're at right now. We also did, we, as part of our process, we did solicit bids from multiple trades or multiple contractors of each trade. Um, and uh, we're working with those contractors now to reduce the numbers um, based on scope reduction. So at this time, those rooftop units are in the project. So they serve, those rooftop units serve two classrooms in the media labs. Uh, in the media lab. So um, it's been asked to look at potentially maybe removing the media lab unit from scope of work if we need to do so to get to the budget for the project um, so that, that that media lab unit could potentially be addressed in the future. So those rooftop units are cooling only? The two five-ton rooftop units that serve classrooms are cooling only. The unit serving the media lab is uh, cooling with gas heat. Do you happen to know like an estimate on the, the life left? Uh, so those well units, their lives yeah, so those units were, I think, 24 years old. Ashray states that the useful life is so uh, is 20 years. And the just one more question. So the there's the two five-ton units that cool for classroom units. Is the heat that they're getting... Part of the project, or is that again a piece? Sorry, sorry. No, that was. <laughs> um, so we're we're hoping to include to keep those classroom units in there. Currently, those classrooms are are utilizing the fin tube radiation system, so they're getting hot water through radiators, basically on the wall. Um, the two five ton units, uh, I, I believe, are we're going to make every effort to keep them as part of the project. Otherwise, the classrooms will still utilize the fin tube radiation for heat. However, um, that heat will be flowing through the new hot water mains. So when we install the new hot water mains, they'll be getting better flow. They'll be getting more comfort and more control. There's a question over here. Um, yes, that was me. Um, 
I just had a question. Is there any concern about there? You were talking about there being leaks and having to go in in the crawl space on the danger that that presents to to employees. But I'm thinking if there's a leak in the ceiling of how much damage that could cause, mold can damage you know equipment in the school. I mean, is there any other way around that? That no, it's a valid question. Um, so the the mains would be run over the hallway. There is no equipment that would reside under them. So really, the the only concern in that at that point, ceiling tiles. Ceiling tiles are an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, something that we talked extensively with the facilities team about, um, and we feel that utilizing the corridors for the hot water mains at this point is probably uh, the best option. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yes. Do you know how much or a percentage of the school that is not being helped by this project? Yes. Uh, If I had to break it down to a percentage, I would say based on the number of classrooms, I think we're addressing 25 classrooms. I think there's a total of 34. Um, so there's, uh, there's essentially one floor of the Southwest wing. So it's eight classrooms that we're looking to remove from the scope. Right. And then do you have an estimated price for how much that would be? How much is that extra? Yeah, we can work with the, with the district to provide that. Um, cause we have also identified, um, the multi-purpose room, um, we're working to provide budgets for them for that uh, as well. So the multi-purpose area is the cafeteria, um, but that's not as much of a concern currently because it the systems are are fully functional. Okay. Um, but we are we are going to provide budgets as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Um, since you said they're fully functional, about how much life do they have left? Did, is that was that taken into consideration? Yes, it was. It was taken into consideration, and I think. Um, what what we had talked about with the administration was um, that that will be more than likely be addressed in within the next three to five years. You're welcome. Any more questions? Awesome. All right, Tim, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, moving on to courtesy extended to visitors. This portion of the meeting is reserved for comments by the public regarding items on this meeting agenda prior to board action. Should a member of the public wish to address the board on a topic not listed on this agenda, there will be a second public comment after the board's regular business has been conducted. Residents who wish to address the board are required to state their name, their address, and the agenda item they will be commenting on. Can I get a motion to open public comment for agenda items only? Motion Barna. Second, Baggy. All in favor? Public comment is now open for agenda items. I do not see any in-person agenda items. Are there any online uh, virtual? Uh, No, no, there are no online comments at this time. Thank you, Mr. Tucci. Can I get a motion to close public comment for agenda items only? Motion per to carry. Second. All in favor? All right. Before we get started on regular business, we're going to take a quick three-minute recess, three, five-minute recess.
All right. I'd like to call the meeting back to order. Uh, moving on to finance, Mr. Jones. All right. Uh, thank you. Just need one second. Um, so the finance committee met on uh, December 12th. Um, we had uh, our full committee in attendance. Um, I actually lost uh, my service for about part of the meeting, but uh, recovered uh, most of that. So anyway, here's uh, some of the things we talked about. We did talk about the demographic uh, summary, which uh, and that there would be a presentation this evening, which we all just heard. Uh, we talked, uh, Mr. Jacobowski informed us about uh, results of the financial audit. Uh, it is complete. There were uh, six audit findings. They'll be presented to the board in January of 2024. Um, I think some of those have already been rectified uh, by the district, but more to follow um, in that upcoming presentation. And um, then lastly, uh, talked about the uh, referendum and parent advisory committee meetings. It'll occur on uh, the 19th of December and uh, January 23rd in 2024. And that is everything we talked about at the uh, finance committee. Thank you, Mr. Jones. All right, uh, moving on. Um, I'd like a motion to approve items number two through 20 uh, under the finance section of the agenda. Second. Any questions on items two through 20? I have a couple of questions. On the bills list, item number two. And I'm, I'm, directing, I'm directing this at you, Mr. Jakubowski. Um, purchase order number 243147 um, was for 131.98. Is that part of a job description of that employee? Is travel part of the part of the contract for that employee? What, what was the purchase order number again? That's 243147. Yeah, we'll pay, we'll pay. Wow, I did my, I did this last night, hold on for one second. I'm just tell them where it's here. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to So what, what was your question? Is, question? is travel a part of, of that employee's job description? I was just kind of surprised to see. So we do reimburse uh, different employees throughout the district uh, for different travel. So, for instance, we have other employees that get reimbursed in our transportation department. Uh, it's not necessarily in their contract, but they do get reimbursed from the district for travel throughout the district. Okay. Um, and I also had a question about a couple of more purchase orders. Uh, it was 29.59, 29.61, and 29.60. They seemed like they were kind of high for travel. I was just curious what, what the travel was. What, what, what page are you on for that? One's on page seven. 29.51, page seven. Yeah, so that one specifically, uh, that employee just went to Nashville for oh. the one conference out there. Okay. Um, so all of those 
the other two, I'm assuming, are the other two employees that went to that same exact conference. Oh, okay. It just seemed higher than normal. So I just had a question about yep. it. Yep. Thank you very much. You answered my question. Any other questions on items two through 20? All in favor? Thank you, Mr. Fetty. Moving on to curriculum, Ms. Nafis. We did not have a committee meeting this um, month, so I'm going to move right into making a motion to approve items 2 through 20. Motion per to carry. Any questions on items 2 through 20? All in favor? Thank you, Ms. Nafis. Moving on to policy. Uh, Ms. Schultz? Thank you. Uh, we likewise did not have a committee meeting this month, so I would make a motion to approve items two and three. So um, just do two for now because three is actually a roll call vote. Okay, so I would make a motion to approve number two. Yep. Second. Any questions on item, item number two? All in favor? And I'd ask for a roll call on number three. Motion. Motion for a roll call on number three. Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, get a second. Good. Yeah, Jen. Yeah. All right. Wait. Any questions on items number three? Roll call. Okay. Uh, Mr. Fetty. Mr. Jones. Yes. Ms. Nafis. Yes. Mr. Perdicari. Yes. Mr. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Bailey. Yes. Mrs. Barna. Yes. Dr. Rashidi. Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Schultz. Moving on to teachers and personnel. Ms. Barna. Thank you, Mr. President. Teachers, personnel, negotiations, public placement, progress, and welfare. Uh, we had a Zoom meeting on December 12th, and we discussed hires, registration, uh, registration uh, home and the subject of homeschooling versus homebound students. Uh, I'd like to make a motion on number two to approve, but first I'd like to congratulate the governor's recognition uh, for the educator of the year, as well as the administrative, I'm sorry, as well as the administrative can't even read my own handwriting. Educational uh, service professional. Thank you very much, Dr. Gizmondi. Exactly. So I'd like to congratulate those people. Um, so I'd like to make a motion to, to approve that item. Second. So, uh, wait, say it again. Is motion it, in what, what items? Just, just two. two. Oh, just two. Okay, my bad. Okay. Um, any questions on item number two? Having a little trouble with my mouse here. I'm that sorry. Is a roll call. Um, it's not yeah. a no. That, that no, one is not a roll call. That's why I had to split this up, and it made you confused because there was only one item. Didn't mean to do that. Um, so I'd like to make a motion to approve item number three, and this is a roll call vote. No, no. So we have to vote on two, or we just motion two through forty-four. So do you want two, two to be separate? or Two is the governor's recognition. It doesn't say on our agenda that it's a roll call. Doesn't Correct. Oh. So two through 44 will just be a motion if you would like to 
do it that way? Or do you want two to be separate on its own? Um, there were a couple that I would like to have separate just because there may be some questions on them. If, if I may do so. Is that going to be a problem, Steve? No. Okay, thank you. So, so, so um, I'd like to make number three its own number. Um, for items. We need to vote on two. Wait, we have to vote on two first names. Okay. So any questions on item number two? All in favor? Aye. <laughs> okay. I'd, uh, I'd like to make a motion to approve item number three. Second. Any questions on item number three? That is a roll call vote also. Roll call. It's not a roll call. No? It's not. No, it, it's not a roll call. Says it says call. roll call on it. That's why I was a little confused. I believe that there, but it's transparent. Right, number two so should not have been a roll call. Number three should have number been. Number three. Okay. All right. Roll call for number three. Uh, Mr. Jones. Mrs. Nafis. Mr. Partikari. Yes. Mrs. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Bailey. Yes. Mrs. Barna. Yes. Mr. Fetty. Dr. Rashuti. Yes. J3 carries. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'd like to make a motion to approve items number four through nine. And this is also a roll call vote. Second. Any questions on items four through nine? I do have a question on number six. I just wanted to ask about the salary. Is that the, the purely based on level? Because Where they are, it's actually, uh, yes, it is. Okay, just because I saw the difference, uh, the difference in the salary. So I just wanted to make sure. So it's purely on the level that how many years of experience? Yes. Okay, thank you. Any other questions on items four through nine? Roll call. Okay, uh, Mrs. Nafis. Yes. Mr. Perticari. Yes. Mrs. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Bailey. Yes. Mrs. Barna. Yes. Mr. Fetty. Mr. Jones. Yes. Dr. Rashuti. Yes. Four through nine carries. Thank you. Like Next, I'd like to make a motion to approve item number 10. And this is a roll call vote. Motion, or a second, sorry. Any questions on item number 10? Microphone. I have a question about the panel and how it was selected and how it was operated and who was, um, how the interviews took place. Um, I just know that, um, when first round started, uh, I was kind of led to believe that the panel would not include some people that were on the panel. Then when second, <clears throat> second round, um, took place, I know that there was somebody who even contacted me and they ran on, um, in that second round and they contacted me. I know just to make pretty much to make sure this one person will not get hired. But that person did not sit in all the second round interviews as per what they told me. And they and they had even gave me a recommendation that I thought, but they just had said that they were not in all the um round two interviews, which is kind of odd because I know when you when you do a round it's same question, same interviewees, and that's how the panels should move. And I'm just um and with with the actual hire, I just know that this is I just feel you know, we had a coach here a couple of years, um, you know, years back. 
he had great success. We tried with the same kind of regime. We didn't have the same success. I think right now, what we need to clean break and we kind of need to move forward with someone who's not in that regime. That's my personal feeling. And that's the feeling of the people I've talked to in the town. I know I've talked to uh, the youth football program and uh, even up to yesterday, um, the, the fact that we're hiring this person was uh, they're not happy because, you know, it's the same, you know, running the same offense. It's not imaginative. They don't know um, <clears throat> that this person is not going to be able to uh, have the same success. We said that the, um, there was a write-up that said the guy had success. I mean, listen, he's 70-41, but I know he had a player, Tyreek Brown, and he's 35-38 and 38 without him. Um, I just don't know. I don't like the way that it was uh, that people were in the interview process, that were in the interview process, because one, it's kind of like, you know, for lack of a better word, our enemy. I mean, I know he's not, I mean, it's, he's not West effort anymore, but I just, you know, me speaking out from, Beyond, you know, as knowing what the coach needs to do to win, I don't think he's the right um, person for the job. But also the process of this um, interview, I wouldn't, it wouldn't, it shouldn't fly. And I don't think it um, it was done correct. And I would say, um, I think we need to revisit this and we need to read. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to piggyback off of what Brett just said. Um, we met on December twelfth by Zoom and Kim was Kim was on my committee, Steve. I don't remember any of this coming up during that committee meeting. Um, it's a little concerning to, to me also now that I'm hearing this tonight, that the process wasn't the same as it normally is. Are we allowed to ask who was in the interview at the time? No, but the, um, so there were three processes um, and they were all actually run pretty well by the high school administration. Um, I've seen it. There were five people in the first round of interview. There were uh, six people in the second round of interviews. Um, and there were two people in the third round of interviews. The third round was the final. Um, it was actually run uh, really well. The committee came up with their top four choices. Um, they gave reasons for good choices. I do believe that we discussed it at TMP. Um, you know, we have to just be careful of, you know, just, you know, of who's talking to who and, and how we're talking to them and, and what information you're getting. Cause you just, you can't just create a bias statement on a group of people um, and how a personal opinion of something. Uh, we did do reference checks as well, Nancy, like we always do. And we want to make sure that uh, his success is success. And uh, he does have a, a excitement and, and ready to go. The four candidates that we did have, the seven total that we had, um, he came up number one in every single uh, aspect of it. Were the same people in the same in the second for the same people second. were the second one. There was one person that could not make that last one. So that was another that, that's an issue. Well, the issue is if that person didn't make it to the next round and that person actually made it to the final round. No, I'm saying the same panel members. Panel. It, it was the, the same, same. It was two different. Yeah, it's that's an operations of a school. You know, when you have different um, rounds, you invite different people to. them. So the, we invite different people to each round. So you get a different perspective. For, for second round, was it wasn't the same people for the whole second round. Except for the one person that could not make it. Yeah, absolutely right. But the same people were part of it. And I said a problem with that person even being in, in on the... Well, I, that's an operations. Um, of, you don't choose who's on the committee. No, uh, they, I, know. I know. I just said you have to be very careful with that. Yeah, that's part of the operations. And that one person didn't make it, but it didn't behoove them not to be there because that person that you were talking about did make it to the final round as well. 
So I, I just, it's, it's a fine line. I'm saying the, the person that, but. The and, per- and your personal conversations, I mean, you know, it's, it's very interesting kind of with the superintendent and what we do create, we create an atmosphere and something that I'm very transparent about mm-hmm. because in the past of things that have happened that we want to make sure that we give everyone the equal opportunities to, to get it. And we want to make sure that we're providing everyone the same exact feeling. And if we miss something out, then we try to make it up in the end. This one second round interview with that one person that could not make it because it was on a different day because that person couldn't even make it. The uh, committee that had it on one day was even good enough to put it on a different day because we only had it on one single day. And they did talk about that. But the choices that, you know, of friends that you have or that you might think you wanted or whatever is going on in the background that should not be going on in the background, um, just know that everything was done up front and the entire committee chose the same top four people in the right order of what they wanted. I don't know if that, I mean, again, that's like I said, I mean, that's just, but no, it's, it's, it's a, just, it's, that's just something you, you that can't go by what you're hearing from other different people. No, I just, I'm I, just, you I have to be careful. Yep. In the, I talked to someone on the panel. Well, you shouldn't be talking to someone. They in the reached panel. out to me. Well, then that's an, that's an internal problem that I'll take care of. So I'm so, going to cut this. This is yeah. enough time spent on this. Yeah. Um, I did you have a question. question. I'm sorry. The, the, I'm getting confused by this. So the it's, process, was there somebody who doesn't work for West Effort on the panel? We bring people in. All, yes, we've had that before. Oh, that's yeah. a common practice. Yes, we've done it before. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Just for my own edification, I was curious. Yeah. Um, I've been in interview panels. I get it. Is there a form or something where every person's presented with the same questions, the same order? And is there a documentation of who was in the interviews? Yes. Absolutely. So that and that process was filed absolutely this time with all seven or do you think you said seven applicants? Yeah. It goes from the first seven people were interviewed, Mm -hmm. second round they broke it to four, and third round. Gotcha. You have to try to keep it as even as possible because you want to make sure that you provide the same people the same opportunities. Sure. Any other questions on items number item number 10? Excuse me. This is a a roll call. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Bailey. Wait, did we get a motion? We did. And then the question. Wait. Yes. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. Barna. Could you please come back to me? I have to think about this. Thank you. Mr. Fetty. No. Mr. Jones. Yes. Mrs. Nafis. Yes. Mr. Perticari. Uh Yes. Mrs. Schultz. I'm abstaining. Abstaining, okay. Uh, Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Barna. I'm abstaining also. Dr. Rashudi. Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Barna, we are now on 11. Okay. I'm going to 
make a motion to approve items 11 through 27. Second. Any questions on items 11 through 27? The roll, roll, roll call. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, excuse me. Mrs. Barna. Yes. Mr. Fetty. Yes. Mr. Jones. Mrs. Nafies. Yes. Mr. Perticari. Yes. Mrs. Schultz. Mr. Baggy. Mrs. Bailey. Dr. Raschuti. Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. I'd like to make a motion to approve item number item number 28. It's a roll call. Second. Any questions on items number 28? Roll call. Mr. Fetty. Yes. Mr. Jones. Mrs. Nafies. Mr. Perticari. Yes. Mr. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Bailey. Yes. Mrs. Barna. Yes. Dr. Raschuti. Yes. Motion carries. I'd, I'd like to make a motion to approve items number 28 through 44 as also a roll call vote. Second. 29, 29. through 48. Yeah. 29. I'm sorry. Yes. It's, it's 29 through 44. Yes. 42nd. Any questions on items 29 through 44? Roll call. Mr. Jones. Mrs. Nafies. Yes. Mr. Perticari. Yes. Mrs. Schultz. Yes. Mr. Baggy. Yes. Mrs. Bailey. Yes. Mrs. Barna. Yes. Mr. Fetty. Yes. Dr. Raschuti. Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. And finally, uh, this is not a rule. These are not roll full votes. I'd like to make a motion to approve items 45 through 63. Second. Any questions on items 45 through 63? All in favor? Aye. Thank you, Ms. Barna. Thank you, Mr. President. Moving on, uh, courtesy extended to visitors. This portion of the meeting is open to members of the public who wish to address the board. The public is reminded that they should attempt to resolve problems and or complaints through initial contact with the appropriate administrators, director, or staff member. Such matters should only be brought to the board after all avenues within the chain of command have been exhausted. Residents who wish to address the board are required to state their name, their address, and the subject they will be speaking on. Can I get a motion to open public comment for non-agenda items? Motion, Aggie. All in favor? Uh, Public comment is now open for non-agenda items. I do not see any uh, in-person public comments for non-agenda items. Mr. Tucci, are there any virtual uh, comments for non-agenda items? I have no virtual comments this time. Thank you, Mr. Tucci. Can I get a motion to close public comment for non-agenda items? Motion, Baggy. All in favor? Public comment is now closed for non-agenda items. Moving on to other business. Um, can I get a motion to approve the closed session minutes of the special meeting on November 20th, 2023? Motion for carry. Okay, a second. Second, Bailey. Any questions on those minutes? All in favor? 
Thank you. Can I get a motion to approve the closed session minutes of November, wait, November 20th, 2023? Motion bagging. Second, Bailey. Any questions on those minutes? On those minutes? All in favor? Does any board member have any new business they like to discuss? Does any board member I, have any? Oops. I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to report that I attended the delegate assembly in November, um, and it was it was very well attended. Um, I did it via Zoom because I was not able to be in person, and um, I also attended the um, Gloucester County Camden County uh, Fall. I guess it was. Uh, meeting at for the New Jersey School Boards at Adelphia's and um, where they welcomed new board members to attend and our three new board members attended, um, Dan and Matt and Lindsay. Um, and it was training on the three R's, which was very informative. I got there a little bit early due to travel problems, but uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a good meeting and I encourage people to attend. Um, the next one is going to be virtual and uh, you'll get an email on when when it's being held, but it's, it's very informative because you do get credits for uh, training at those, when you attend those meetings. And you can attend them by, you can also attend them by Zoom. You don't have to attend in person, but they do have good food at Adelphia. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I, I do have one more thing. I just want to reach out and uh, say thank you to the Key Club at West Upper High School. Uh, as well, uh, the Operation Blessing was phenomenal. Uh, the NHS runs the toy drive, and the Key Club runs the food pantry, the food drive, and uh, the food pantry where my volunteer at Colonial Manor United Methodist Church uh, benefited from the unbelievable amount of food that was donated by West Deptford residents, which is fantastic. So, food was given to families in West Deptford that um, attended Operation Blessing. And it's also going to be distributed at the West Deptford Food Pantry to other people that are in need. And so, thank you very much. It's, it's a great, um, it's a great organization um, over the high school. These these kids are phenomenal on reaching out and doing great things for people in need. So, I'm really proud to sit on this board to be a member to represent those students. Thank you. And the donations um, are from the entire community. Um, all the uh, the elementaries, middle and high school, they all get together. Um, they all are responsible. So it's a whole district-wide event. Community members do assist. Uh, the extra food, they, it was fantastic. Not only did everyone, we helped over 75 families this year. And then on that top of that, we were able to send all that over to the food pantry, which was a lot of food, which was great. We got, a, I think I counted 37 bags of food. It was unbelievable. That was great. Yeah. And the students dropped it off. They dropped continued it with their everything. project. So it was good. Thank you. I'll, the, I'll pass that along. The is two, two former uh, Key Club members were happened to be volunteering that day that are way out of college now. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Ryan Jupe, and I can't remember the other the other. Kids but the name. kids come back. They come back. Oh. They do. They come back to serve. So remember that, you two. West Deptford <laughs> <West Depper> Pride. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'll pass that along. Any other board member have any new business they'd like to discuss? Uh, moving on to member comments. I will start this one. I would like to thank Mr. Jones, Mr. Baggy, and Ms. Bailey for your service. Uh, it's been greatly appreciated. Um, the administration thanks you. The students of West Effort thank you. And the community of West Effort thank you all for your service. Um, I would also like to welcome our members elect who are here, Mr. Deccan, Mr. Grazioli, and Mrs. Uh, Krautwald, who are here 
earlier. Uh, welcome aboard. We look forward to seeing you at the January 3rd reorg. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to make, uh, just say a couple things, Drew, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So um, first, I'd like to, uh, since my last meeting, I'd like to thank the uh, West Effort community for the opportunity to serve over the last three years. Uh, it's been a privilege. Um, Ryan, I'd like to thank you and, and the entire administrative team for your partnership. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, I'd like to thank all the fellow board members. Uh, a lot of you still on the board showed me the ropes when I joined, and I appreciate it. And I uh, appreciate everybody's teamwork and collaboration uh, since I've been on the board. So thank you for that. Um, and then finally, I want to wish the uh, new the uh, new board members that are joining the board uh, all the best. Um, so wish you guys the best. And uh, I'm really excited about the uh, great things ahead for the school district. Thank you. Can I go now? So everything he said. No. <laughs> so, you know, um, I appreciate my time here. I'm happy to have had the experience. And I, I wish the returning board members and new board members alike all the luck in the uh, new year. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mr. Baggy. Any other comments? Uh, if I can make a comment. Um, I just want to thank everyone for the time that I had. I will let it, although it was short, I enjoyed my time. And I thank you for your hospitality and just welcoming me and treating me as if I had the entire term. So it's uh, greatly appreciated. And um, it was a pleasure working with everyone. And I wish the new board members the best of luck. And hopefully I can join you guys again. I too uh, would would like to uh, second what Drew said and thank Bob, Steve, and Jen. Even though it was a brief bit of time, it's, it's been fun. It's been a very informative. Um, and I also want to welcome Matt and Dan and Lindsay too. Uh, it'll be fun working with you guys. We'll see you at re reorg. All right. And I get a motion to adjourn the meeting. Norris, can I get a motion to adjourn the public portion of the meeting? Motion, Barna. Second, Baggy. All in favor? Public portion of the meeting is now adjourned. Uh, can I get a motion to go into executive session for matters pertaining to uh, litigation or contract negotiation? Motion, Jones. Second, Baggy. All in favor? The board will now enter into um, executive session with no ex action taken afterwards. Good night.